Welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. All right. Hello and welcome everybody to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. Today we have Kirk and here's the deal. There's a word in our industry that a lot of people have never heard of because, well, unless you're really in the industry, it's called pod fade and it's a real thing. And we're going to talk about some of the things that we have found uh, to help people so that they don't have pod fade. Number one, number two, we're going to define it here in just a minute. And then number three, um, we're going to talk about some statistics that are surprising at the lack of success people often have with podcasting. And then, of course, a couple of solutions to that. So, Kirk, before we really dive into all of these stats, how do you define pod fade? Pod fade is, man, we didn't even talk about the actual definition. So I love, <laughs> we just talked about it being a thing that people would, would understand. So thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> it's actually a great way right to up. get going. Yeah. So I, I would define it as losing the, man, there's so many elements to it. It's there so is. can I add all the elements or does it have to be like a beautiful sentence? <laughs> so pod fade is really about losing. It's really losing the ability or the process, the execution of, or the spirit to keep your podcast going. And the stats are pretty telling that it's a, that pod fade is a, a real problem. Maybe it's not as much, maybe part of the biggest problem with pod fade is the expectation of how easy or it's going to be, or the reality that it's not easy. It, it is easy, but it's, you got to put some um, perspective around that, which we'll do some of that today, but really the, the numbers are, are pretty en enlightening and so it'll be surprising and shocking to some of you, I suspect. So how I define that is, you know, the, the loss of the motivation to do a podcast. And I think you really touched on, it. I think one of the main reasons is terribly unrealistic expectations that they're going to drop three episodes and get a million followers, monetize their podcasts and, you know, quit their day job. I think the other one is, is that they, they don't realize that you have to have a plan that podcasting is part of your marketing. And so therefore you have to have a plan. And the third thing, which I think is the biggest craziness of all of this is that people don't understand that that podcasters are a fiercely loyal community. And if you don't join a community of like-minded people who want to help you succeed, you're not going to be successful. There are a lot of podcasters out there who feel like they're out on a limb, dude, and they don't need to be. Uh, I'm going next week uh, to the largest podcast convention in North America, and there are thousands of people who are going to be there because they all realize that we're stronger together. But let's talk about PodFeed. Yeah, well, yeah, I actually want to talk about your definition because you talk about motivation. I think some people could be highly motivated to do a podcast, but they just can't execute it. Having said that, maybe you're not quite motivated if you don't build the right processes or process to execute it. So I don't know 
I don't disagree with your definition. It's just, there's a lot of elements to motivation. All right. So here's yeah. the, I'm, I'm totally motivated. I love classic cars. Okay. It's a great example. I love classic cars. Like I would love to own classic cars and I'm very motivated to own classic cars. Right. But you give me a classic car. I'm screwed. Cause I don't know how to fix a classic car. I don't know how to maintain a classic car. I don't have any of the systems or the infrastructure in place, but I can network with other people who love classic cars and fill into some of those blanks. So that's what I think the maybe maybe the word would be misplaced motivation or unfounded or ungrounded motivation. I'm not really sure, but I still think that there's a big motivation factor uh, that people just lose their mojo. They they and I think a lot of it, Kirk, is those unrealistic expectations, which, by the way, everybody, uh, you need to stay tuned to the show because we have hired this unbelievably brilliant woman uh, who is helping us create an analyze literally everything that we've done over the last five years and compare it to what industry standards are and all of the reports and stuff that are out there. And the numbers are unbelievably shocking. But Kirk's going to talk now just a little bit about where podcast growth is happening, how many people are truly successful, where we see Podfade happening. And then the second part of the show is going to be what can you do to make it so that you don't fall subject to pod fate. So Kirk, dive into the stats, dude. Let's, let's. Yeah. So the first two stats are from our friends at Blueberry and they are this, that 50% of podcasts don't make it past episode seven. And the next one is that the next 50% who, who got past seven, uh, only 50% of them get past episode 20. So basically 75% of podcasts don't make it past episode 20. We've shared a stat on here before. If you're an avid listener, you're saying, fellas, you guys told us a different stat, I don't know, six months ago, which was that 90% of all podcasts don't make it past episode 10. I know that's a stat that I read, but I haven't been able to find the, the uh, source. So I apologize, but I think these are really not that far off and they really paint the same picture. It's it, a lot of people started a podcast. Don't go, don't get very far. Having said that, we got some other really cool stats from Chartable that give us a little bit more um, in-depth uh, view. I'm not saying Blueberry didn't have in-depth, but we just grabbed those couple and then we grabbed Chartables here as well. Anyway, 2020 saw more than a 280% increase in the creation of new podcasts, which is incredible. So the new podcast in 2019, there were 300,000, there were 900,000 in 2020. Those are just unbelievable numbers. Having said that, only 23% of the podcasts started in 2020 have, uh, sorry, 23% uh, of all podcasts started in 2021 have already published more than 10 episodes. So there's, you know, a quarter of those new ones are actually getting it done, which kind of gets back to our 50 and 75% are going to fail. Uh, and many of these new podcasts have just one or two episodes, which is about 30%. So then they faded pretty quick, one or two episodes. I don't know how you get there, but probably not a mod not a mod sorry, probably not a lot of motivation to start a podcast, but just wanted to try it. What the heck? I got nothing to do. I'm bored like crazy because I can't go out during COVID. This is another neat one. We're gonna get into some um we're gonna talk about where most of the growth in podcast at the languages where most of the growth happened and the i'll give you the top five because they're the most 
So the top five uh, podcast growth by language in 2019-2020 are Hindi, Chinese, Portuguese, Indonesian, and Spanish. English is, and those combined, so those are 14.1 times growth, which is crazy. Eight times growth, eight times growth, 7.2, 6.8. And then English, by the way, is 1.9 times growth. So that's still huge, huge amount of growth. And there's a bunch of other languages in the middle there, Japanese, Turkish, Italian, Dutch, German, Russian, French, and then down to English. Those are pretty interesting. This isn't just a North American or American trend. This is global, which is really interesting. I'm not sure how much that's going to change what you're thinking about, but the next really interesting stat is on the genre. And this is a, this is a 2020 stat. So new podcast by genre, education, 133,000. Society and culture, 121,000, arts, 94, business, 85, and then a whole bunch more. So business did really well. There was a huge boom in uh, business podcasts and, and education podcasts. And those can kind of be, I kind of see that those could be similar, right? Because if you're doing a business podcast, you're educating. So um, I could see that maybe education and business are similar and they would absolutely lead if they were similar. So I think that's um, really cool. All right. I, I have to pause because we, we, we talk about this, which is a perfect podcast formula, right? Entertainment, education, storytelling, call to action. And as the number one growth thing here, which is this, this whole idea of education, uh, you know, uh, and then you look down here, uh, you know, comedy would be entertainment, uh, you know, society, culture, arts. I mean, some of these are very entertaining. And, and if you look at that perfect podcast formula, the fact that education is the fastest growing. We know everybody that people listen to podcasts to learn something. So no matter who you are and what you do, always make sure that that's a component of your podcast. Yeah. And, and if you're trying to monetize something in your business, it probably should be the main component. I, some of you are funny. It's not matter. I <laughs> No, I mean, we're, we're but, looking maybe, but not we yeah. laugh at stuff that's not funny just to make you guys think we're funny, but it's not, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a big deal. Education, business, um, really a lot of growth there. Now there's just, there's a couple of people listening saying, yeah, I heard that saturated we've done podcasts on saturated and blown big holes in that the amount of people podcasting doesn't even come close to compare to the amount of people that are on YouTube who have websites and blogs. It's like, we're talking like less than a percent comparison. It's just. So sitting out back with my wife yesterday, right? So we're sitting on our back porch and, and we were talking about this, right? And, and my wife had this amazing epiphany and she's like, Matt, why do people listen to or watch shows that are similar? Right. So for instance, like she's a big Schitt's Creek fan. She's a big Parks and Rec fan and big Office fan. Right. You kind of put those into a same sort of genre of sitcom. Right. <clears throat> there are a million sitcoms. Why do people think, well, there's there's 10 podcasts and financial services that I shouldn't have a podcast. What are you talking about? There's a million radio stations. There's eight million sitcoms. There's 400 million rom coms. Come on, people. It, your brand of what you do might be just what they're looking for. So I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, just hanging out on the porch last night. My wife, who's a teacher, comes up with this freaking brilliant analogy that I have never said on a show. I'm sorry. I just had to say that. Yeah. I, 
Yeah, every, just get past the saturation thing because it, it's not it's not a thing in podcasting. It's not even close. So if you got one, and, and the truth is, is that most most businesses or experts who own businesses do not need to have a lot of listeners and a huge audience to have mega success. We're going to come back with some wonderful stats here. We're preparing uh, benchmarks and all, all the stats that we've got from our clients. And we're going to do a, a podcast here in the near future. And it's going to be really interesting. Matt already let the cat out of the bag there a little while. Honestly, I would never put a cat in a bag, but <laughs> it's like, it's like, there's, there's a million ways to get a cat. Why are cats so discriminated against? I don't understand that. So, um, so yeah, let's dive into the, the heart of this. I'll let you kind of tee it up here. So part of what we always wanted to do here at, at Proudmouth, when Kirk and I first met, one of the things that we had an epiphany about was that uh, advisors and experts don't want to be told what to do anymore. They, they want somebody to do it for them. So everything that we've built here at Proudmouth is really for the ease of the user. And a lot of what we're finding affects podcast longevity and this idea of pod fade we have desperately researched and tried to solve. Now, I'm not saying that we're 100 million percent successful on all of these, but these categories that we're going to go over, and I'm going to highlight them really quick. So the, these are all no's, right? So K-N-O-W's. Number one, know your why and what, know your expertise, know your audience, and know your who. Now, Kirk's going to break down each of those. But with those four categories, if you write those down, you will start seeing how the knowledge and the confidence you have between those four factors will make it so that you're going to be able to have a longstanding podcast, great content in the can, and a way to build a relationship with people while you're sleeping. So, Kirk... Dude, half of our half of our listeners right now are walking their golden retriever in a park and they have no way they're going to write those down. I don't believe you because here's the deal, because every one of them is listening to this on their phone and they've got a notes app and all they have to do is pause. The dog's probably going to the bathroom right now anyway, so they just need to write it down. And there's one person who's rollerblading on a boardwalk on a beach in California and there's no way they're stopping that rollerblade to... I mean, so this on. is on you, brother. So this means that you really need to drive these points home. If they're not going to write it down, you need to embed this in their brain. I'm going to repeat everything for, especially for the person who's rollerblading on a beach. Is that somewhere. your visual image of who's uh, consuming our podcast, right? And please, if you're actually doing that, listening to this, send us. Yeah, you need to take a because that'll make my day. Maybe my week. All right. So know your why and what. So this is part of our discovery process here. But why don't you talk about this and why don't you break this down? So expectations are critical going into anything. And podcasting is no different. So I, I find sometimes that we have to, you know, align expectations and spend some time here because some of the greatest wins from podcasting aren't things that people necessarily might think when they start. It depends on where you're coming from. If you listen to this podcast, you'll, you'll have a better foundation for if, if, if it's something that you decide you want to do in the future because of listening to these ideas. Probably the most unheralded of all the expectations and has a huge impact I believe on everybody that we're working with, and I don't even know that they always know it, but is the, is there, is the improved communication skills they develop storytelling, what topics people cared, how to organize your thoughts, uh, into an outline and, you know, how preparation 
really helps with sharing your expertise and thought leadership. The development that that we've had in how we articulate the stories we tell, the the the, the evolution of our story has had a huge impact on our careers and our business. It's not so quantifiable. And therefore, some people really struggle with that stuff, the objective outcomes. But I got to tell you, you need to focus on, think, really think about objective outcomes versus, sorry, subjective. I, I said the wrong word there. Anyway, um, because they're a huge part of business success or life success. The little things that you can't always measure that, you know, are really important. And in your ability to improve your communication skills is a huge outcome. I've beat that one to death here. The next one is inspire and ignite relationships. A lot of people would use the word lead generation here, which is perfectly fine. You're definitely, if you do this right, you're going to have lots of opportunities. I like to say that we like to talk about those as being relationships. The reason we say relationships is because you're typically going to be talking to fans, not skeptics. And traditional marketing is more about um, interrupting uh, people. They become skeptics and trying to quickly engage in with a skeptic to move something along. It's all a numbers game. This is a this is a quantity uh, quality versus quantity argument. Podcasting. If you get if you get quality first, and then you build quantity, you're in wonderful shape. If you go try for quantity first, that's your focus. Um, you're not nearly as in a good position to avoid pod fade. I never really thought about that, but how that came out actually made sense. <laughs> See, I just proved point one. You improve your communication storytelling. Yeah. Um, being able to add value is so huge to your, to your, the people who are listening to the people who are already in your network and the, the new people, just them being able to show up and learn something new. So if that point about improving communication ends up being a thing for you that you leave listening, having left this podcast and, and take with you, that's a huge win for, for Matt and I, right? Because it's a big win for you. If it's not a win for you, it's nothing for us. So I have to find a way to get you a win. How do I do that? I got to, I got to create value. I think a lot of time, the more sales oriented uh, professionals or experts who think about starting a podcast for sales oriented ideas really struggle because you've got to get past that. It's very difficult to add a lot of value when you're, you have a sales mentality, because it's always about selling somebody, not educating them. So if you can get past that and we we see that the, the ones who have more of an expectation of leads and more of an expectation or have, have been traditionally been more sales oriented with how they have conversations and they've gone to sales institutes to learn you know, how to take, move somebody along to becoming a client or saying yes, those people struggle more with how to have conversations in a podcast, which is really interesting because in, in my experience, advisors who are all about education, they, they, they can't stand the, the other end of the spectrum, which is, which is people who sell. So this is a huge advantage if you're, if you're picking up on this, if you're more about education. It doesn't mean people who have traditionally been taught to sell can't make the shift, but it's absolutely a benefit for the people who are more education oriented because they're already there in their mind and they already know where to add value 
and the conversations come more naturally and the education in a podcast comes more naturally. Uh, the sales oriented uh, advisors are, are more, um, they limit themselves to what they think they can tell, but tell, share everything, share stuff you never thought you would share. And if you don't have enough to share, you got to build it, build that thought leadership, build that expertise, share. Anyway, um, that's adding value. And that's a huge expectation. Um, like an outcome that you should expect if you're doing this well. The next one is scale credibility. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Cause I've been holding the floor here and you know a lot about this. I've actually, maybe how we came to actually know and talk about the term would be kind of cool. Cause it's a good story. Yeah. You, you, how we came up with the term scale credibility came from a conversation you had with one of our clients. Oh, a couple of years ago. Oh my God. That's so funny. I didn't remember. Yeah. So, uh, what he, we, this is an I example. This is a wonderful example of what in business, what you choose to think was your idea. And you go back and you realize, Oh my gosh, that wasn't even our idea. It's funny because you, uh, we convince, yeah, it's just been a while and you're old as, as hell. I mean, look at your beard. It's, it's great. I know dude. It's it, this is this was two and a half two and a half years ago. So I'm talking to one of our clients who's actually been a, a friend of mine, uh, financial services professional uh, in in Southern Georgia for a really really long time. They're one of the largest mass mutual offices in the United States, and uh, they were podcasting with us and. And we were going over numbers, right? And and he's sitting there laughing because his business partner's like, dude, we're not we're not getting the numbers. And he said, This has nothing to do with numbers. This is scaled credibility. And of course I wrote it down. And so I said, Well, what does that mean to you? His name is Russell. And he's like, Matt, when I say I have a podcast, nobody's in the same league as me. He says, and especially because we've got 10, 15, 20 in the can, he's like, I'm 20 ahead of everybody else. And it scales my credibility because it builds credibility while I'm sleeping because my podcast is always working for me. And I sat back, his, first off, his business partner was like, wow, that was really good. Matt, he should sell for you. And I was like, well, I knew he should have sold for me for, you know, from the beginning, guys like what a great salesperson. But how insightful is that, right? For you to really look at, Kirk talked about it right at the top of the show, right? That people have unrealistic expectations of what this is supposed to do for them from a numbers perspective, lead generation, return on investment. What they don't understand is, how much this builds your brand, how much this builds your panache, your respect, your everything within your area of expertise, because there isn't anybody else doing it. It's not always unrealistic expectations. In some cases, certainly is. But sometimes it's just not understanding all the other wins that can happen. And so the next win is, is, is the versatility of podcasting allows you to create a lot of marketing synergy. And content, yeah, so content creation really is marketing or content marketing is, is marketing, right? It's, 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 be, it's becoming that, uh, or it has become that, just not, not everybody's figured it out, um, which makes it really difficult to buy content and have success because it's about having your own authentic content, especially if you want to be known as the expert. But the versatility of podcasting is an example of really what we do with it is we take a podcast we cut it up into sound bites or video bites or text and, and we leverage one thing and turn it into many. And then we leverage those many to get awareness 
and um, top of mind. It's, it's a very simple formula. It's very versatile. A podcast can work great with social media. It can work with email. Heck, it could work with traditional media if you want, right? Tell everybody in your in your geographic region, send out a, a mailer and say, I got a podcast. I'm going to teach you about this if you're interested. Um, so there's there's other cool stuff we're working on, but I'm not I'm not going to talk about it right now uh, because we're going to be testing some cool stuff. But um, so marketing synergy is a huge opportunity win. Another one is the amount uh, you can build an unbelievable amount of trust, which is probably the most important attribute of of a podcast is the intimacy, the trust, because you're really getting to listen to Matt and I. We can't fake it for 300 episodes. Great. I mean, it, yeah, it's we're not that talented. And this it's just being ourselves is is the only way to be. And, you know, not everybody's going to dig that, but that's okay because they might not, if they don't like who you are and how you speak and what you talk about, they're probably not going to like you when they come into your meeting. So wouldn't it be nice to qualify those people before we go through all that song and dance? So, you know, trust is huge. Trust is one of the most important elements of marketing, that and awareness, get there, get awareness build trust. Everything happens from that. We've got to dive into some more of these best practices, Matt. Oh gosh. Yes. The next one is know your expertise. And so, uh, I think this is one of the objections, Kirk, I hear all the time. Uh, so as, as many of you know, if you want to join our Proudmouth family, you basically come through me. And uh, this is one of the big objections that I get through our education process of onboarding new uh, Proudmouth family members, which is, Matt, I, I'm afraid I'm not going to know what to talk about. Now, I want to quell this very quickly. For those of you who are financial services professionals, we've done over 3,000 podcasts for advisors. We have hundreds of podcast topics for you if you can't think of anything. But then I turn it immediately and say, but I don't want you using other people's content. I want you to help. We're going to help you come up with the greatest ideas that have to do with your specific niche and area of expertise. So talk about that, Kirk. How do you and how do we help people come up with topics? I think the first thing is through our coaching, um, our clients, but you know, not everybody's a client listening to this. So it's really about uh, understanding how, what your audience, like it's knowing your audience for sure. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but the, if you know what people care about and you know what your strengths are, so let, in this one, let's focus on your strengths. So when you know your expertise, what are you good at? What do you know most about? And, and so you're looking for an advantage with your expertise because that has a chance to separate you from other people. And it's certainly going to be what you're, you're going to want to leverage in your practice or your business is to, is to do the stuff that you do best. doesn't mean you can't do other things or bring other people in to, to fill the gaps, but focus on that. Now that has to mesh with what your audience actually cares about. And it has to be something they find important. We'll get into that in a little in a second. Well, we already did get into it, but um, but Podfade is really about understanding what your expertise is, um, not being overwhelmed by how you're going to come up. So don't don't fret about how coming up with topics. 
it's a learned skill like anything. And you, once you get, once you start understanding it, you, for a lot of people, they, they can't turn it off. And to be honest, even, uh, for this episode, I just asked our, our uh, marketing person, Jessica, what do you want? What do you think Matt and I should talk about? Because she does all kinds of social media for us. And she said, I think you really, I'd like you to talk about pod fade. And we've talked about it a little bit before, but we're getting to more detail into it today. And so that was kind of easy. So you could ask people, there's all kinds of best practices, but um, brainstorm. So have a process for brainstorming. So we have a, a document that uh, Jessica runs that we call visible expertise by from Kirk. And I just fill it up with thoughts. So, and I've, if I haven't, I've talked about this before, maybe not a ton. One of the ways that I best come up with topics is I'm really engaged in social media commenting. So when people talk about uh, our posts, I always respond. And I also have, well, I've got people I follow, lots of people I follow, obviously on LinkedIn, everybody you follow, they follow you typically. So, but I have a, a group of probably 30 to 40 people that I really admire and I, I look at their stuff and I comment on it. When I'm commenting on it, if I comment with a lot of thoughtfulness and I take the time to do it right, it ends up being my next post, our next post or our next topic. And that happens all the time. And it's a, you know, so when you're thinking about going and doing some social media and you block out some time, don't be, don't sit there. Don't spend your time. Like, 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 like spend your time being, uh, be, you know, find something that you think you'd really like to comment on and dig in and comment on it. If you do one comment a couple times a day, that's really thoughtful or once a day you're in, you're smoking it, man. You're doing really good. You can still comment on other stuff. It's more important to comment, by the way, the algorithms love commenting way more than they do liking. So that's really important. And the other one is, is have a, you know, don't limit. So if you've got expertise, don't think that that's the only thing that can ever be talked about in your podcast. Think about other things that your audience want to hear, even, and if they're not your expertise, um, leverage others. So have guests on, right. Or educate yourself on an art, on, on some, a new topic, a talk about, give credit to the person who did it. If they can't come on your podcast, just talk about their article, their research. We just talked about charitable. We didn't get charitable on the podcast, but we leveraged their stats because we don't have the capacity to go do or want to be a podcast research company. Having said that, we, we have hired an analytics person and we're analyzing data about how our clients succeed and what the trends are um, so that we can do a better job as a company uh, accelerating their success, which, which is already working. Um, and um, we're really excited to share that stuff with, with everybody in the near future. So that's know your expertise. And that's a big one. You alluded to this already, which is you have to really know who you're talking to. And as, as you had said earlier, that you're to right now talking to a person who's rollerblading in California. So when you're knowing your audience, right, you have to be able to close your eyes and really, truly understand who you're talking to. But it goes much deeper than just the visualization. Kirk, where does it go? Yeah, it's it's got to be all about your listener. So your podcast, there's sometimes... When I, I, if I go back to a couple of minutes ago, I was talking about salespeople, salespeople are more apt to make the podcast about themselves and their business. But if you can make the podcast about your listener and the things that they struggle with, the things that they want to know and the things that they care about, whether they're financial or not, right? Because they could care about life, work and wealth. So can you talk about life? 
we actually do talk about life because we have people talking about work-life balance on here. We've had people talk about that. You know, so much you you've interviewed all these guests. So we don't just talk about, we, we focus on marketing, but we spin it in with other things, but you can, as a financial advisor, you can absolutely go off of the financial expertise. You can weave it in. You'll always find opportunities to do that. Um, you can talk about work and other things. So don't, don't limit what you talk about just because it's what you, your expertise is understand that your audience wants to hear about other things and tie them in. Having said that, if you end up having your financial podcast, talk about cooking all the time, you know, that's probably going to be odd. So, you know, be smart about it, but know that you can tie in other things. Um, the next one is um, make sure you understand what they actually care about. So when you talk about, if you want to talk about life, what do your clients actually you know, seem to want to know and make sure that it's predominant with your audience. So if you have one client who's an ideal client and they have some obscure affinity for something and you think all your clients care about it, that might not be the best idea. But if you have a lot of people who are into sailing or uh, traveling or, um, or you live in wine country, and that's a big reason that drew them to, to where you are and what you do, you could talk about that. Right. Um, and if you've got a niche audience that are all dentists, for example, you know, figure out what dentists are into. So, so you're just, you're, you're missing saying one thing and I, and I have to, I have to highlight this, which is freaking ask them, right? Go to your clients and say, what would you like me to podcast about? Oh my God, you have a podcast? Well, yes, I have a podcast. Uh, but what is the number one concern that you're hearing from your friends and family about what's going on with my area of expertise? If you're, if you're marketing to dentists, join a dentist networking group and just say, Hey, I'm only here to find out what you guys want me to talk about on my podcast. It makes you look a lot less like a shill and like somebody who's trying to add value. Please don't be afraid to ask. It doesn't make you look like any less of an expert, it actually makes you look like you were trying to provide your expertise in a more palatable way. Which, which, which is a great point. And just want to throw it out there that if you've got things that you want to know more about, and we haven't already talked about them, by the way, when you go to proudmouth.com in the top, right, you'll see our two podcasts there. So top advisor marketing and be your own loud. If you've, if you want to look up, search up a keyword, you can go in and type that keyword in. If you type in marketing, you're not going to get very far because everything we talk about is marketing. Having said that, if there's certain things that you're looking for help with, you can go search there. If they're not there, feel free to send us a note. Another thing to do is to join our uh, Influencer Influence Accelerator Academy because twice a week we have office hours. And Julie is usually the, we call her our, our librarian. Um, but Julia knows where, where everything is. And she knows a lot of the topics, so she could easily help you if you, if you need um, help on any topics. And and the oh, well, that's the paid version of the office hour. So you do have to pay for for the uh, the mid level membership, but it's having access to our team uh, twice a week or whenever whenever you need them. Obviously, you're probably not going to show up twice a week, uh, but it, it, it's available. Plus, all the courses that you get with that, which are incredible.
All right, all right. So, so here's the last part, uh, which is which is interesting because when you created this mind map, I was looking at this last one, which is know your who, and and I I mistook that with know your audience, and so it's interesting that that hearing how your brain is processed all of this, this makes an enormous amount of sense, because something that we have been working with for many years is. Um, it shouldn't be how to do it. It should be who should do it for you. And I think that's a major mind shift for business owners and experts, because as an expert, you know that you're wicked smart and you can prob probably do everything. In fact, Kirk, you said this to me in a management meeting on Wednesday. Matt, of course you can do that, but you probably shouldn't be the person who does it. And I was like, well, damn, that, first off, that was nice that you said I could do that. Matt signs up to do all kinds of stuff in the company, and we say no. <laughs> we have people to do that now. It's it's so weird for us to, you know, we got 22 people and we're probably going to end up being closer to 28, 30 within the next year. We've got the whole plan for. We've got lots of. We yeah, have lots of so food, much fun, right? Which, which, as as Kirk just totally disclosed. By the way, even if you have a who, doesn't mean that you're going to you're going to easily and immediately think that that's the who who can take care of this but who should help you with this what we're finding is when you surround yourself with other people who are passionate about education who are passionate about thought leadership who are passionate about accelerating your influence the who makes a lot more sense so kirk break down the who thing really think there's two options when it comes to who and and it's usually for for everybody listening here unless you're a marketing assistant when we know marketing assistants are listening and Wonderful. Thank you for being here. Please uh, tell other marketing assistants and make sure you get the advisors that you're you're serving to um, to to pay attention to some episodes when you when you get one that you really like or you need to leverage up what we talk about to convince them to to be better at marketing. So welcome, because um, we always say advisors that we're talking to advisors, but we know we've got lots of marketing assistants listening. And by the way, we've got some really cool stuff for marketing assistants in our academy. So if you are a marketing assistant listening to this or a marketing role, I shouldn't say assistant, um, if you're in a marketing role in a financial services firm, um, you're, we have some really cool courses um, on helping you. And if you're an advisor who has a marketing team or marketing people that you think need to be better at changing, shifting their mindset and learning some new strategies. We got, uh, we got courses for them in our Academy. Anyhow, here's the two, two ideas. I think most of the time it's one of the two, one is delegate. If you're, if you're the advisor, um, you want to, you don't want to be, you want to be focused on being the expert on not on anything else. So, um, hand that stuff off. Um, this is typically, you can delegate some of the stuff to uh, marketing people in your company who have certain marketing skills, stay within what they can handle. And in my opinion, most marketing people um, should be managing other talents and be the coordinators more so than the doers. Uh, if, you're, if your first line is a, is a marketing doer, um, you'll, they'll end up getting full and they won't be able to do everything you need. You're better off having them be uh, organizers. And then they go find the talent to do everything and they coordinate everything. I think that's almost always the best use of marketing support. And as you grow and can build more marketing, then you can bring in certain pieces of expertise and then, and then stop outsourcing, which is the second thing. So as you build and get more dynamic, you can, you can take away some of the outsourcing and, and fill those roles internally. If you, if you, if you want to do that, I've, a lot of businesses are actually finding that outsourcing 
having a good person to delegate and coordinate, you can delegate, delegate to who coordinates and then having the talent be all outsourced is a really smart way to do business. We've had a lot of success doing that in our company as we've grown. I don't really see us shutting that, shutting that off. Um, it's always going to be a huge part of what we do. Having said that, I just want everybody to understand because I think people's brains go to saying, oh, you guys hire um, people who, who are really inexpensive, who might not understand certain stuff. And that doesn't happen here. We, we do everything. Um, and I, that's not a, a slight to, um, to, to anybody. It's just saying that we have, uh, everything we do is, is done within our company by people that we employ, if that makes sense. And we also hire humans, right? Which I think is important. So there are ways to outsource this to to non-human entities. We also focus very heavily on training uh, all of our people so they truly understand what's going on from a content perspective. Now, hold, hold on here. Sorry about the commercial there, everybody. But I sometimes when you say outsourcing, people have this, they invariably go to this idea that you're it's a low cost outsourcing option. It's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about hiring real pros and people to get to do the work. So, and those outsourcing the reasons to their technical know-how. Uh, you want to you want to that you don't want to have that many skills. There's 11 different skills needed to produce and promote a podcast, and probably more if we want to get more detailed. Um, it's highly unlikely you're going to have that in one person or even in a team, and you don't want that. You want to and because you don't need those talents all the time, full time. You only need them in spurts. And the second one is podcast experience. Who has the experience to help you avoid all the mistakes, understand the best practices, understand the etiquette and, and significant and then and quickly improve the, the skill. And the third one is who can consistently implement. If you outsource, they, they're not going to, they're not getting pulled by other things because this is what they do. You're getting pulled in your business by all kinds of things outsourcing uh, gives you the chance to have consistent implementation. And that's a huge one. You, you have something to add? I do. And then we need to wrap this up. I think we're going long again. You ready? Yeah, I know. Well, the person who's rollerblading, if, if they're using, by, I'm going to rollerblade for this episode. Yeah, These guys are usually ripped. getting 25 and yeah. this one's heading on 45. Yeah, I'm really, they're really exhausted. Yeah. yeah. Anybody who's using this to exercise, to time their exercise, they're going to get ripped after this. All right. So, so podcast experience, you know, Kirk was just talking about Influence Accelerator Academy, which we would love for all of you to join. We have a free version. There's links in the show notes. But, but the next thing is, is, you know, what other podcast company have you ever heard of who's produced over 3000 podcasts in the most heavily regulated industry in the United States, which is financial services? And by the way, that happens to be us. We are that company. You know, Kirk talks about consistent implementation. We've published over 40,000 social media posts for financial services professionals in a compliance friendly manner. You are going to have to understand that there is a cost benefit analysis to that, right? And I want everybody to keep that in mind. And surprisingly enough, Kirk, those are things that I don't really hear very often in the sales process here. People don't really say, well, you know, you guys don't have the experience. We are the experience, right? Um, I think really what it is, is it's the outsourcing component, because this is what I'll hear, and then I'm going to wrap today up. 
Well, Matt, I have a marketing assistant. We don't need you to do that. No, you have a marketing uh, assistant. You don't have a content creation specialist, right? There's a big difference. And if your marketing assistant is going to be truly successful, having that part of it outsourced so that marketing assistant can take the content and interact with the content, distribute the content, and actually do what a marketer does, which is distribute the content, that's the big game changer. And the offices that we work with who have that internal marketing assistant... That assistant loves us to death. Yeah, there's a, we have something called organic marketing tactics. And those are the marketing tactics that your, your team need to focus on doing because there are certain things that are, e are much easier to do and do well, much better when they're done internally. And there's other things you can outsource. The things that you can't or shouldn't outsource, that's what your marketing person should be doing. And coordinating different digital media is one of them. But if they're so, so stuck, just you know editing podcasts and getting transcripts and creating social posts and doing all that they might not have time for anything else and you're missing that opportunity because our most successful clients are the ones who take what they do with us and add on to it and and create marketing synergy and they're the ones who are, are accelerating their success more so we're you know it's kind of speaks to what we're talking about today with um with the who so who who does what and and how what you can delegate and what you need to outsource i think those are really uh critical to your success in marketing is understanding you know where to start and stop I think this was great today, Kirk. I think we covered a lot of real estate. Uh, I think we we did a really good job of explaining, you know, what the difference is between really kind of going this on your own uh, and in really going at it with people who truly understand this medium. It's just like you as a financial services professional, right? Could could they go online and Google something? Well, of course, and they do, right? But really, what they want is they want the you as the expert to help them be as successful as they possibly can, and we want to be able to fill that for you too. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, do it because what are we doing? Like 300 in. Come on, you haven't subscribed yet? Just for freaking hit the subscribe button. Number two, if you know somebody who really needs to hear this podcast, you can share it. That's super easy. Drop us a quick review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. And finally, if you have any questions or want to know more about who we are and what we do, you can join the free version of the Influence Accelerator Academy. The link is in the show notes. For all of us here at Proudmouth and Kirk, this is Matt, and I'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to learn more about how you can be your own loud, visit our website, read our blog posts, attend our educational webinars, and sign up for our new Influence Accelerator Academy, where you too can learn how to truly be an influencer in your space. Have a wonderful day.